Section 8 of The Catholic's Ready Answer This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org The Catholic's Ready Answer by Rev. M. P. Hill Section 8 The Bible and Science Objections According to the Bible, the world was made in six days, whereas geology proves that enormous periods of time were required to bring the earth to its present condition. The earth, which astronomy has shown to be only a satellite of the sun, is represented by the Bible as having been created before the sun, and the heavenly bodies generally are described as though they were lamps hung in the heavens to light the earth. The Answer The objection represents the state of mind of very many who get their ideas on these and kindred subjects from popular lecture courses and seldom or never consult a reliable authority. Serious-minded men, distinguished in the world of science, have pondered the first chapters of Genesis and have not come to the conclusion that the Bible and geology are at variance. Nay, not a few of them have seen a substantial agreement between the mosaic order of creation and the sequence of events discovered by the geologist. Some have even marvelled at the points of identity between the testimony of the book and the testimony of the rocks. In what sense was the world made in six days? Were the days of the same duration as ours? The word used in the original Hebrew, yom, means day. But as the Hebrews had no word to express epoch, era and the like, the word yom might be used for that purpose. That the word was rather elastic in usage is proved by the very passages under discussion. In one place it means daytime as distinguished from nighttime, one five, and elsewhere in the same verse, darkness and the succeeding light as constituting one day, whilst in two, four and five, it means the entire period of creative activity. There is no difficulty then in taking the expression to mean a period or epoch. But if it can be taken in that sense, the objection falls to the ground, because believers in the Bible need not take it as meaning a day of 24 hours duration. As a matter of fact, the term has been taken in the sense of an epoch by a respectable body of Catholic exegetists and theologians. Their interpretation is based, first on the indefinite character of the word, second on the facts narrated in the account of the work of the first three days, and finally, on the principle that the Christian interpreter of Scripture may, in the case of obscure passages, invoke the aid of the natural sciences no less than that of philology and general history. During the first three days of creation, the alternation of day and night was not caused by the rising and setting of the sun, because it was not till the fourth day that the sun was made to shed its light upon the earth. Hence those three days were not determined as to length, as our days are, but by the apparent revolution of the sun. They were determined as days by the recurrence of light after darkness, but there is no reason compelling us to believe that their length was the equivalent of our twenty-four hours. There is much reason for thinking they were long periods of time. Certainly the events of the first three days were so stupendous in the aggregate that if they were dependent on the operation of natural laws, 
they would necessarily require the lapse of long periods of time, and in the bringing about of such events, as, for instance, the emergence of continents from the deep, is it not more probable that God left such changes to the work of natural laws created by himself than that he intervened by a direct exercise of his power? This is enough for our purpose. The narrative of the sacred writer has its mysteries, but it cannot be proved to contain any falsity. As to the account of the origin of the heavenly bodies, which the objector holds up as a sample of the mythical in the Bible, we have this to say. There are always two ways of telling a story. Moses has his way of telling of the origin of sun, moon and stars, and science has a way of its own, though it must be said that in this particular case, science tells its story in faltering accents, as not being at all sure of its authenticity. Moses tells us distinctly that God made two great lights, the one to rule the day, the other to rule the night, as also the stars, and that he set them in the firmament of heaven to shine upon the earth. Now, here God is represented either as having created the heavenly bodies there and then, or as having made them, after they were created, luminaries in respect to the earth, i.e., by making their light reach the earth. In neither case does the narrative fall under the ban of astronomical science. Supposing that the heavenly bodies were at that moment created, and therefore were created after the earth. Does astronomy say anything to the contrary? It is able, doubtless, to tell us something of the earth in its present relations to the sun and the moon, but has it yet demonstrated in what precise order sun, earth and moon came into being? The nebular hypothesis, according to which the earth emanated from the sun, when both were in a gaseous state, is, after all, only a hypothesis. But there is no absolute necessity of supposing that when God is said to have made two great lights, he is represented as there and then creating two heavenly bodies. He may have already created sun and moon, but now made them into lights in respect to the earth, i.e., made their radiance for the first time reach the earth, possibly by the removal of the dense mists that may have covered the earth. It must be remembered that although the Earth is physically an insignificant part of the universe and a satellite of a greater body, it may nevertheless be the moral centre of the whole and the part that dominated all others in the designs of the Creator. The rest of creation may well have been planned and ordered with a view to its ministering to the planet that was to be the habitat of man and the scene of God's great mercies to the humankind. As Moses apparently wrote from this point of view, his narrative calls for an interpreter who realises this circumstance, but whose mind is nonetheless open to the teachings of science on the subject. Science, however, has nothing to say that is certain and reliable. We have said that many scientists have found substantial agreement between the biblical account of creation and the geological record. Among others, our distinguished American geologist, Professor Dana, following the lead of the French scientist Guyot, has exhibited in detail some most striking points of agreement in the two records. Having first drawn up a table showing the stages of progress in the history of the globe, he compares it with a tabulated analysis of the work of the six days and finds that the order of events in the scripture cosmogony 
corresponds essentially with the order assigned them by physical science. He remarks furthermore that the scripture narrative, if true, is of divine origin. For no human mind was witness of the events, and no such mind in the early age of the world, unless gifted with superhuman intelligence, could have contrived such a scheme, and none could have reached the depths of philosophy exhibited in the whole plan. But the superior wisdom displayed by the biblical account of creation is of a piece with the superior knowledge, the clearness of detail and the sobriety and saneness of the entire book of Genesis as compared with the primitive traditions of the Gentiles, whose early legends are characterised by the opposite qualities, especially by grotesqueness which is almost the earmark of early legendary lore. End of section 8 Reading by Florence